the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. We're still on baby watch in this household, which is giving me a little bit more time to put together another episode. It's why we're here. It's great. On today's episode, it's a good thing we're able to jump back in because we need to recap Martinsville. We're licking our wounds a little bit, so it's good to get back on the saddle. So after begrudgingly taking a look back at Martinsville and the bets that we made there, how they ended up, we will move forward and set our sights on Richmond because that's where NASCAR is headed this Sunday, the Toyota Owners 400 on Sunday afternoon. So we're going to break down our picks to win the race, talk about strategy there, where things are headed, top tens, and of course, head to heads. And then after our picks there, we're going to have a special treat A special guest, Jordan McAbee, returns to the podcast from FantasyRacingOnline.com, and he's going to get into a little bit of daily fantasy conversation with us at the end. So, jam-packed episode, really happy to be bringing it to you here this week. So, let's start, as I mentioned, with Martinsville. It was a wild ride, all right? 500 laps at Martinsville just really is a long time. I mean, especially when you've got a lot of money on the race, it just feels like it's never ending. And at first, my breakdown of the race was, at first, it kind of seemed a little bit boring and not a lot of action happening. I mean, you had Hamlin up front really running away from it. And then Blaney got involved and he was the one kind of dominating. It was Hamlin on the short runs, Blaney on the long runs. But then... I don't know when it happened, maybe the end of stage one or right the beginning of stage two. There was something that triggered a a bit of a a flip-flop, and we had some guys getting off cycle, and that really shook up the running order. And that that made it a little bit more interesting to watch and a lot more interesting for the bets that you made because maybe some guys that you had were now in play. So our bets, I mean, I feel like this is the kind of the theme of the week, or sorry, the theme of the year, really, where we've got good bets, and if the race ended about halfway through, we'd be cashing in on every single one of them. But as the race kept unfolding, our guys kept kind of sliding back, and we just missed a few of them. We went over in the head-to-head section after sweeping the head-to-heads at the Bristol Dirt Race. We uh, did not capitalize on it, so went over 3 there. And, you know, we had Blaney to win the race. I mean, he was our guy. He was the one that was really showing the lead horse from the the podcast picks last week to win the race. And obviously we saw what happened. I mean, Team Penske overall just had a bunch of bad luck. So the Penske group really let us down there. And then top 10 picks just didn't pan out. I mean, Kurt Busch did not come through for us yet again. I might have to quit him for a little bit. So all in all, it was a disappointing trip to Martinsville. I I don't know what it is. I feel like when there's going to be a night race 
and we prep for the night race and it gets rained out and they race it the next day, I feel like my bets that I've placed struggle. I don't know why. I don't know if it's in my head or if there's any reality to that or facts to that. But in any case, it was tough to watch. Still a fun race. I mean, once they kind of shook it up a little bit, still had some, you know, other guys getting a chance to, to be up in the top 10. But one takeaway, I mean, for a time, there were some other guys, but one takeaway that I just wanted to call out is the fact that we've got Penske, Hendrick, and JGR just head and shoulders above everybody else. And with those 11 drivers, there was a point in time in that race where those 11 guys made up the top 11 of the running order. That's just proving how dominant they are. So really, a big deal to think about. Stuart Haas is who we're thinking about when we're talking about them. They've always been an organization to reckon with, but right now they're clearly behind. And you got to wonder, you know, are they really thinking about next year's car, the, the next-gen car? Are they thinking ahead too much? But I wouldn't think that they would do that, but there's definitely some rumors starting to, to sprinkle around that they are. So, Tough to see if you're a fan of Stuart Haas, but the other three organizations are dominating. So really, when you're thinking about gambling, it really has to start with those three. And we are going to be all over them this week in our pick. So let's uh, move forward then, put Martinsville behind us, thank goodness, and now set our sights on Richmond. So we are still in short track country. And let's just take a quick look at the track stats, because I'm actually going to utilize what we're learning from these track stats this time around. Uh, So looking at 128 races at Richmond all time in the NASCAR circuit, the winner has started on the pole 23 times. Last time it happened was Denny Hamlin in 2016. The winner starting in the top five, 57% of the time at Richmond. And starting in the top 10, it jumps up to 78%. That is right around what you would normally expect to see at a track like this, but actually a little bit more, I would say. I mean, 78%, that's a pretty high number. And the winner starting outside of the top 20, it's only happened 9% of the time. Last time, it was Kyle Busch, and he started from the furthest back anybody has ever won, 32nd. That was in 2018, so not too far back. And if you're looking at a manufacturer trend, the only thing that I'd call out is Toyota has been pretty much asserting their dominance recently. They have won seven of the last 10 races at Richmond. So I think we're going to be on some Toyota drivers this week. And Kozlowski won last year's race. And it's significant to call that out because we only had one race at Richmond last year. So we will touch on that, I guess, as we talk about some of these guys, but that's important when we're talking about some of the rookies from last year. So moving now into who we like and kind of a strategy, I'm kind of throwing everything that I know out the window because we were fading the favorites for a little while. And up until last week with Truex, the favorite had not won the race this year. Actually, anybody really in the first one, two, three, four best odds have not won until Martinsville. So I'm kind of throwing my superstitions out the window. I'm not afraid of favorites this week. I'm not afraid of back-to-back winners. I am just trying to not overthink it. That's my goal 
for Richmond this weekend. Just kind of look at the stats, try to assess the situation, look at this in a silo, not worrying about any sort of superstitions or anything like that. So let's talk about picks to win. I got three guys, and they're all pretty much up front. But when I talk about track stats, all three of these guys are starting in the top five. I'm, I'm listening to what we put out, and I'm trying to apply my knowledge to the bets. Because in the past, you know, it's good to call that stuff out, but I don't really know if I've been paying attention to those numbers that I rip off to start every podcast. So maybe I should just practice what I preach here. So I'm going to start with the favorite because he is the favorite for a reason, and it's Martin Truex Jr. I always talk about how I don't like back-to-back winners, but if it's going to happen, I feel like this is the setup. This is a guy who they're going to talk about all week leading up. He was never a short track guy, and now he's just a big-time short track dominator. And, you know, I think equipment has a little bit to do with that, but I digress. He has really turned it around in recent years. So he's starting on the pole. His number is 4-1, to plus 400 to win the race for Martin Truex Jr. So, I mean, he's if that were to happen, he would be back-to-back winners, and he'd be back-to-back as the favorite. Goes against everything in my being to bet this guy, but I'm doing it because of the stats that I'm about to rip out for you here. So let's look at his last 10 races at Richmond, two wins, five top fives, seven top tens. His average finish is 9.5 in that time span. That's good enough for six on the circuit. He swept the 2019 races at Richmond. So that's impressive by itself. His last four races at this racetrack are all top three finishes. In that one race we had last year, he finished second. So it's not like he's losing any momentum. He is actually gaining momentum because driver rating actually tells the story. I'm looking at a stat sheet now that can break down driver rating from further back, like six years, and then you can compare it to the last four years and the last two years. So what that does is it tells a story about how their driver rating has been over about a span of 10 races and how it looks more recently. And what his driver rating tells us is from 10 races ago, it was first on the circuit. You compare it to everybody, right? 10 races, he's first. 113 is his driver rating there. That's unbelievable in itself. But as you get more and more recent, his driver rating improves substantially. If you just look at the last four years, so that's about eight races, it jumps up to 122.4. And if you look at just the last two years, it's about four races, 130.4. All three of those metrics are first compared to everyone. 130 in the last two years. That's wild stuff. So that's the type of guy that I want to bet on. Somebody who is good here and is getting better every single time we come back. So very, very great. His three starts with JGR in the 19 car are first, first, and second. I mean, you can't argue with that. How can you not throw something down on him at plus 400 even? Plus 400, listening to these stats, that seems a little high. And and maybe, you know, as the week goes on, we got some other guys who are starting to rise up a little bit. Gamblers putting money down on some other people. Maybe we'll get them at a little bit better value. There's one book out there that has them about plus 450, but for most of the sites that I'm seeing, it's right at plus 400 and it's not moving. 
So very good stuff there with those stats, but we can take it a little bit further if we wanted to. We're really big on the average running position stat, and he dominates it. First out of everyone, his average running position is actually 4.1. Very good when you're looking at that stat, no matter what racetrack you're at. If you're seeing 4.1, that's very, very good. Richmond in the last eight races, we're talking about the fastest lap stat. Truex is first in that category as the most fastest laps. 10% of his laps run, he had run the fastest lap on the track. That's by far the best out of everyone going off on Sunday. So you take that. Obviously, he's good at Richmond, which a few years back or you know a little bit ago, that would not have been the case. Everyone would say, oh, this is not a place for Martin Truex. Well, he has completely flipped that storyline on its head. And now let's look at just 20 21 this season his average green flag speed is second out of everyone it's 8.0 so clearly having a good year this year as well he's already got two wins under his belt and on top of everything he's rocking the auto owners scheme on his car this week jordan actually tweeted that out at some point during this week we'll be speaking with him later but that definitely got my attention i love when guys are consistently doing well with the same paint scheme that's uh just a little extra in your cap when you're placing this bet. So Martin Truex Jr., if I haven't convinced you after all of those stats, then I don't know what you're listening to. Plus 400, I guess that's the only thing that scares you off is the fact that you're not getting the best value compared to a bunch of other guys, but I think he has a legit shot of winning the race. And if you don't like that, here's just a little quick bet. You can bet him to win the first stage at plus 250. The thought process there is they're great off the truck. They shoot out like a rocket in that first stage and capture that win right off the bat. So something to consider there if you want a quick bet for this race. So Truex plus 400 from the pole. Now the next guy, we spent a lot of time talking about Truex, so let's move on. Next guy, couple slots down as far as the favorites are concerned it's Denny Hamlin going off at plus 600 six to one he's had such a great year this year he's still dominating everyone in the points he's up by more than a race if we were just going by points alone and he had a great race last week right I mean he was one of the guys to contend with it really seemed like it was gonna be him or Blaney until maybe the halfway point of the race so when is he going to get his win? He's going to what you could say in air quotes. They use this in NASCAR too much, but it's a home track for Denny Hamlin in Virginia here. So why wouldn't it be here? Looking at his last 10 races, one win, six top fives, eight top tens. His average finish is third out of everyone, 6.0. His win came in 2016, so a little bit further back, but he started on the pole in that race. He's starting second on Sunday, and he... That win in 2016 started a four straight top five run for Hamlin. So, hey, good stuff. Momentum can pick up here. He's going to have to start that momentum, though, because last year in the 2020 race, he finished 12th, so outside the top 10, um, which is different. You know, he, he typically doesn't struggle here twice. If you consider struggling, not finishing in the top 10 for the 11 car, he has not really done that twice in a row. So, I think you might be able to. Feel pretty confident in a top 10 bet, even though you're giving up ridiculous odds. Minus 286 is what DraftKings has him to finish in the top 10 at the moment. Um, we're still talking about him to win the race. I think it's very possible. His average running position is sixth out of everyone. It's 9.0. So, 
Again, I mean, that top 10 bet doesn't seem too shabby if you have the money to put up for it. I think that's a lock. But driver rating, also 6, 103.6. He's fifth as far as the most fastest laps run at Richmond here in the last 10 races. And in 2021, his average green flag speed is first, 6.8 compared to everyone else. So this is what we're doing when we're looking at Denny Hamlin to win the race at plus 600. We're looking at his history at Richmond and then also taking into consideration his really good cars and his speed that he's had this year and rolling that all up into one and placing your bet plus 600. He's got decent odds for what we're seeing there as a whole for the 11 car. He's got three career wins, so there's nothing that you could tell me to say Denny Hamlin has no shot to win this race on Sunday. I, I don't think anybody can say that. So I like Hamlin here. Again, I'm not trying to overthink it. I'm going with strong candidates, and I'm placing my money down. So lock me in there for the 11 car. And then the last guy, I wasn't really going to go this route. I'm actually kind of queasy about it, but when I'm looking at the stats, I, I'm going with Joey Logano plus 800. It's it's tough. I don't know why. I'm feeling kind of weird towards Joey right now, but he had a solid rebound last week, okay? He was the only Penske guy that we didn't take to win the race, and early on, it looked like a great call by us, but uh, he actually rebounded because he was almost going to get lapped in that first stage, and we saw the other two guys have just terrible luck, Kozlowski getting caught up in the wreck, Blaney with the pit road problems. So he rebounded for a sixth-place finish last week, and that was really impressive because when you're placing money on someone, it's not just Logano, but it's also the team, and that was a big team effort for that 22 car. So I think that they're able to take that back to the shop and really build off of that if you want to get too you know, detailed about it. Now, looking at Richmond, in the last 10 races, one win, six top fives, eight top tens. His average finish is 5.8. That's second out of everyone. His win came in 2017 in the spring. He finished third here last year. So all good things for someone going off at plus 800 really well. Average running position is fifth, which is 8.5, very good number. And his driver rating is also fifth. So He's right around that number, and guess what else? He's starting fifth. So a lot of fives here for Logano. Didn't even realize that. But he's consistent across the board. It doesn't matter whether you're looking at the last 10 races, the last six, the last four, the last two. He is right there. So he's in the top 10 for most fastest laps here, and his average green flag speed this year is also fifth. So Bristol Dirt Race, he got his win. Pressure's a little bit off of him. I don't know if it mattered who won that race. People are still going to kind of think of it as a little bit of a gimmick, a little bit of an asterisk. So when is he going to actually win a, a regular race? I think you could have critics out there saying that. So that's kind of what I'm getting at here. I think Logano has the ability to step up and, and snag a pretty decent sized ticket here, plus 800 for the 22 car. So just to recap, the picks to win the race, we're not getting too crazy. We're going with... The Chalk in Truex, plus 400, Hamlin, plus 600, and Logano, plus 800. All right, all right, all right. So next up, we're going to get into the props and the top 10 picks. And I'm going to be honest with you, I think the top 10 area this week, it's a little bit of a stretch. I think we have a, a couple good values here, but um, I'm not as confident as I am sometimes. But we'll start with some top 10 picks, and we're going to go with Austin Dillon. 
All right, he's the first one that comes to mind when I'm looking at the top 10 list. He's going off at plus 140. And Austin is a perfect example of why you want to bet on someone to finish in the top 10. So he's getting good odds at plus 140. But if you're just looking at the normal average stats, right, you're probably a little bit scared away from Austin Dillon for this bet. His last 10 races, one top five, three top tens. His average finish is over 15. I think it's like 15.4, which makes sense to be a little hesitant to place this bet based on what you're seeing there. But if you dig a little bit deeper, you're going to find out that in his last four races here, he has three top 10 finishes. So all three of those top 10s that we mentioned from his last 10 races came very recently. And if you're looking at his driver rating over the years, if we go all the way back six years ago, or from the full six-year span, that's about 10 races, 11 races for Dylan. his driver rating improves as you get more recent. So if you go back 10 races, his average driver rating is 73. But if you go back four years ago, it's about eight races, it's moving up to 81. And if you just focus on the last four races here at Richmond, his driver rating is very, very impressive. A 93.9? Very good. That's a number that you'd expect to see from one of the big tier drivers if you don't consider Dylan one of those. So at plus 140, he really stands out. He finished fourth here last year. And last week, we were kind of fading him a little bit at a track where he was not very impressive and he stood out. I mean, he killed us in the bet. I called it the lock of the week with Newman and he went out and beat Ryan Newman in that matchup. So I really like it. He proved himself last week that he can perform at racetracks that he's not very good at. Um, and at Richmond, he's better and better every time we go back. So I like it plus 140. And if you don't like that, you're still not sure about it. How about just to beat Kurt Busch? He's the underdog in that matchup. He's minus 109. Kurt's minus 125. Kurt has similar numbers to Dylan, but he's not as good recently. So I'm taking Dylan in that matchup versus Kurt at minus 109. It just really stands out. So just another little curveball. If you're looking for some action on the three car, that's something else you can look into. So lock that in. The top 10, and for me, that head-to-head matchup as well. Now, getting into some of the other picks, it's been really kind of tough to find a guy that really stands out to you, other than Dylan, to finish in the top 10. I'm really stretching here. You can call this a... Super value pick at plus 240. I'm looking at Ricky Stenthouse Jr. This is a stretch. All right, so I can understand if you were to tell me, dude, not riding with you on this one. I get it. His average finish is 15.1. His average running position is 17.1. So it's pretty consistent that he'd be like mid-pack here. He's starting 14th, and he has shown strength in 2021. So... Fastest laps at Richmond is what got my attention. I was looking at that stat, and he ended up being sixth on that list. And I don't think it was an outlier where, you know, you can sometimes see guys that show up on that list with some extra laps led that maybe they were just getting off cycle, they threw some tires on when everybody else didn't, and they were putting down some some faster laps. B.J. McLeod is actually somebody that at Richmond looks – to be the case there. But I don't think that's the case with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He's got 119 fastest laps in the last 10 races here. So that's sixth out of everyone. His driver rating 
it's consistently high 70s, right around the 77 mark. So this is a bit of a long shot here. His best finish came in 2017 where he finished fourth. So that proves to me that he can do it. It was in a different team, different car, but he has the ability to get that car up there. He's not terrible. Most people think Ricky Stenhouse Jr. They think super speedways. We'll be talking about that next week. Uh, but he's a short track guy as well from time to time as far as top tens. I mean, he can pull something like this off. It's, it's a long shot, I know. Here's a, another little twist. In the last four years, three of the last four races, he gained spots from where he started. And he's starting 14th. So if that trend continues, that puts us in the ballpark of completing this bet. Another little twist, if you don't like the top 10 action, he's going off even odds with Ryan Newman, head-to-head -head matchup here, minus 110. So, hey, Newman's numbers aren't phenomenal here. Stenthouse, it's kind of a an accumulation of everything at Richmond and this year because he's really stood out to me this year. He's always fighting in around that 13th spot. So, hey, a few spots up, it's a top 10. A few spots back, he might be getting lapped. But that's the kind of action I like on race day. I like the, the drama there. So lock me in, plus 240, be a hell of a payday for a stretch for a super value bet, and then give that Newman head-to-head -head bet a look. Now, the only other thing that really jumped out to me, this is a, a throw-in. I'm not locking this in right away. But I mentioned how 2020 only gave us one race, and that really impacts how we're going to bet these rookies from last year. Tyler Reddick and Christopher Bell among them. So Tyler Reddick, for one, I mean, he finished 11th last year. What's to say he can't jump up there? He had a pretty strong race. 76.5 is his drive rating from that race. And Christopher Bell. I mean, Christopher Bell is going off at plus 110 to finish in the, the top 10. He's been strong all year. He's got four top 10s through eight races 50% of the time. So those two guys are something that you should, might look at. I mean, Tyler Reddick, much longer of a shot, plus 210. But Christopher Bell, plus 110. He's a Toyota driver. I think that one is probably where I'm leaning towards uh, mostly. But I think what we're saying here is that this top 10, there's typically, all through 2021, there's a couple guys, maybe one or two guys, that are a little bit out of place. And I still think that if you see those two names in the top 10, that's a tiny bit out of place. So I think they could fill those, those puzzle pieces. So give those two a look. Reddick and Christopher Bell are sophomores going into this race. Now, just a couple quick props. Not going to spend too much time here, but I mentioned how Toyota's a monster at this racetrack recently. JGR, that bet... Plus 160, I think that makes sense. There's a Toyota bet. We talked a little bit about this last week with Penske and, and Ford. Toyota's plus 155. Why would you do that? Just bet JGR plus 160. It makes all the sense in the world. Then over-under this week is even odds. You don't see that every single week, so I found that pretty intriguing. The over-under is 11.5. I'm taking the over in this matchup. Two of the three guys we called out to win the race. Their numbers are over 11.5. But... In addition to that, if we do happen to get a quote-unquote wonky winner, somebody who really kind of surprises you, chances are their car number is going to be higher than 11.5. There's just more drivers in the field. Like when you're betting the over, which I haven't done too often this year, when you're betting the over, you just get so many more guys. So the, the odds are in your favor there as far as the numbers are concerned. 
strength by numbers. So I'm looking at the over 11.5 minus 115 is the even odds there for that bet. I, I really like that one. And then the last prop that I'll just touch on is the prop for a driver to win both stage one and two and the race. It feels like it could be coming soon. I, I don't know why. I think Bristol had a little bit of that vibe early. Obviously, it didn't pan out that way. Last week really seemed like that was a possibility. And I almost kind of feel like there's somebody out there that is constantly betting against this and is just like pulling the strings as a puppet master, like making sure it doesn't happen. Like the Blaney thing on pit road. It just feels like it's very close. I'm looking at Truex still as someone that could dominate this race. And he has done that before multiple times, won all three stages. So plus 650, I don't mind it. I'm not locking it in. I'm definitely going to think that over, but I'm just kind of thinking out loud here on the podcast. I feel like, you know, if it's going to happen on the schedule anytime soon, it, it would be this race. So just putting that out there into the universe and we'll see what comes back. You serious, Clark? So as always, we're going to finish up the picks portion of the podcast with the head to head section. And there's a lot of good matchups out there this week. A lot of different names matched up with different people. I like that. But the theme of this week is just big name city, baby. That's where we're going. I know typically I like to kind of focus on maybe some guys that are further back in the pack and we don't usually talk about as much. But this week I can't resist. Just three matchups filled with big names. Uh, the first one we're going to start with, I'm going to call this the lock of the week. I think this is a bet that you absolutely have to make. Do not parlay this with anything else because then you'd miss out on it. Um, this is really the theme of fading Ryan Blaney at Richmond. So he's going off right now minus 143 versus William Byron on DraftKings. And on Fox Bet, he's going up against Christopher Bell. Um, so it doesn't matter either one of those two. If you have access to you know multiple sports books, it doesn't matter who you choose. I'm going to focus on Byron because I prefer DraftKings, but he's out there. The, the whole concept here is Blaney is not good here. And this is a battle. I, I like this one even better because uh, I know it means nothing to them, but this is the battle of potential future brother-in-laws with Byron dating Ryan Blaney's sister. So a little bit of a Thanksgiving matchup there to talk about on, on the Thanksgiving table. Who knows? But in any case, this is the lock of the week. I'm fading Blaney for a reason. Because in nine starts, his best finish at Richmond is 17th. It doesn't matter what you say. The stats after that are just proving that point. I mean, his best finish is that far back for a name like this. It just doesn't compute. Average finish is 24.8. That obviously checks out. Uh, his average running position, 19.9. Driver rating is in the 60s. It does not improve like we've seen with some of these other drivers as we've gotten more and more recent. So even after hopping out of the 21 car, joining 12 car, it does not get any better. It's consistently in low 60s. Very poor for a driver that we would hold in high regard. He's Ryan Blaney. He's a big name. And we're going to be talking about him next week at Talladega for sure in, you know, positive light. But right now we're fading him. He has said 
on record that he does not like this track. I think he even used the word hate. He's way overpriced in this matchup. If this was an even odds matchup, I might, you know, think about it a little bit harder. But once I saw he's the heavy favorite, I, I don't get it. Now, his average green flag speed this year in 2021 is good. It's good. And maybe that's what the books are looking at. They're saying, hey, Blaney's a guy this year who has championship potential. So, of course, we're going to make him the favorite in this matchup. But I don't know. I mean, let's segue into the, the Byron situation because Blaney's average green flag speed is 9.1. It's a top 10 stat there for sure. But Byron's isn't too far back. His average green flag speed is 10.4. So he's having himself a pretty good season in 2021. Then you look at Richmond for Byron. His stats aren't great. Five starts. Best finish is 12th. Average finish is 18.0. His drive rating is also consistent. That's 72.5. And it's consistently better than Ryan Blaney. So this pick is really about fading Blaney. Like I said, in the head-to-head in five races, Byron has the 3-2 lead. So I'm going with William Byron, plus 110. Lock it in. And if you can't get Byron, you can get Bell on different sports books. So do your digging here. And if you have multiple accounts in multiple sports books, take both of them because I think this is a, a easy, easy win. Next matchup that I'm going to look at is Brad Kozlowski versus Kyle Larson, both going off at minus 115. These guys are bigger names at this racetrack. So I'm going into this matchup with an open mind. You know, even odds, I'm not really sure who to take, right, as I'm making these notes. So let's start with Kozlowski, because when you look at all of the stats that I tend to try to cling to here, he has one of the best stat sheets you can find in the game here. His last 10 races, he has a win. Last year in 2020, he has four top fives, eight top tens. He's got five straight top 10 finishes. So that's obviously going to produce a really good average finish, which is 6.5. That's fourth. His average running position is second, 5.6. Driver rating is third out of everyone. And his driver rating increases as we get more and more recent. So that's the trend that we want to see. Look at fastest laps. He's got good numbers here. So Kozlowski is a name that's at the top of the list. No matter what stat you're looking at, he pops out. So then you look at Kyle Larson. He started, the, the thing that gets you attention with him is when the books opened up, he started at 10 to 1, plus 1,000 to win the race. And then very quickly dropped down to 8 to 1, like almost instantly. Is that Curious to anyone? I, I don't know why. Maybe somebody threw a big ticket on him. I don't understand that trend, but maybe, you know, there's something to be said about Kyle Larson here. He missed last year's race, so it's been a little while since he's been back. His last 10 races for, for Kyle, one win happened in 2017, two top fives. His average finish is 11.2. That's good enough for eighth. So we're talking crazy eights here with Kyle Larson, okay? Because his average finish is eighth. His driver rating is eighth. Average running position is eighth. So the, the funny thing is his average running position is 11.4 on average. And that's just exactly, almost exactly, what his average finish position is. So what you can say there is his performance is pretty consistent across the board. You know, where he finishes where he's running. Now his driver rating, if you're looking at it from, you know, 
past years and getting more recent, it does drop recently because he had a wreck in 2019. I think that's really skewing the stats there. That that was a crash and that was a bit of an outlier and that definitely messes with the stats there. So his stats are okay. In 2021, he has better green flag speed than Kozlowski's. Fourth on the circuit, 9.4 is his green flag speed. Kozlowski, this year, his green flag speed is not even in the top 10, which is a little concerning if you're that team. Head-to-head at this racetrack, they're 4-4. Four and four. They're tied in the last eight races. My pick in this is going to be Brad Kozlowski for his Richmond stats because while they're both pretty good at this racetrack, looking at all these metrics, Kozlowski's is just a little bit better. So I'm going with the two-car minus 115 in this even matchup here. The last two guys we're going to talk about could possibly be labeled as two heavy hitters that are struggling. We're talking about Kevin Harvick versus Kyle Busch. Now, I would disagree with both of those guys saying that they're struggling. All right, Kyle Busch, you know, he's not off to the the start that he wished. It's kind of similar to last season where he didn't get a win till late in the year, but he's still not bad. I think he's like 12th in points. I mean, that's not great, but he's not just dismal every week. He's not having like an Eric Almarola season so far. And then if you look at Harvick, everyone's down on Harvick right now because Stuart Haas is down, but he's been backdooring his way into top 10s left and right. So this is a really intriguing matchup because they're both going off at minus 115. So let's take a look at Kyle Busch first because he's one of two guys in the field on Sunday that have two wins here at Richmond in the last 10 races. Two wins, five top fives, nine top tens. That's pretty wild. Six straight top tens, by the way. So this isn't a scenario where Kyle was good in the past, but not you know recently. Kind of like what we saw a lot about Jimmy Johnson the last couple of years, right? That's not what we're seeing with Kyle Busch here. His average finish is best out of everyone. First, 5.6 is his average finish in the last 10 races. His driver rating is second, and it stays so consistent throughout the years. So it doesn't matter what you're looking at. He's still second across the board in driver rating, even up until recently. His average running position at Richmond is 6.8. That's good enough for third out of everyone, and he's had the third fat, third most fastest laps. All great stats that you would love to see. I mean, he's a contender to win the race. I just couldn't call him out again because A, I had already called out a couple of JGR guys and B, I feel like I've been on Kyle the last couple weeks, but I'm seeing him right now at plus 900 to win the race. He's a contender. Like there's nothing saying that he can't do it. These stats are legit. He's led laps in the last seven races. And that includes a year in 2019, a race where he had 202 laps led, finished second. So Kyle Busch is a force at Richmond. It's just, will he be able to put it together this week? Now, Kevin Harvick, this is a a scenario where it's really about this year, but let's look at his past history at Richmond first before we start talking about that. No wins, which is kind of rare for Kevin Harvick. Um, When you're looking at the last 10 races at, at racetracks, it's Rare to see him not have a win in that time span, but six top fives, eight top tens. That's pretty damn good. Average finish is 6.9. That's good enough for fifth. 
And his average running position is exactly the same, 6.9. Nice. Uh, So that tells you that he's finishing pretty much where he runs at the race here. So his drive rating, 109.0. Very strong drive rating. That's fourth on the circuit compared to everyone. So all of these numbers are very solid as well when you're throwing them up on the board. Now, it makes it really tough to distinguish, you know, who to go with here. So it makes you want to look at how things are going this year, right? Because if you, now I still think that Kyle has an edge in the stats at Richmond. Um, I don't think that's something you could argue. We just went through them and, you know, while Harvick's are strong, Kyle's are a little bit stronger, but I'll entertain the thought that it's kind of a pick still. So now you really got to get to the 2021 season and green flag speed, you know, Harvick, his green flag, average green flag speed is 14.0. That's 12th out of everyone this year. And that's just not what you're seeing out of Kevin Harvick. And it, you know, it's just backing up the narrative that Stuart Haas is down. I mean, there's no getting around that. Kyle, on the other hand, a driver that some people would say is struggling, is seventh in that stat. 11.0 is his average green flag speed. So much better than Kevin Harvick in that stat further up the rankings at least so Kyle seems to have an edge no matter what we're looking at here in this you know heavy duty matchup between these two big dogs now I wanted to look at head-to-head matchup in the past you know in the last 10 races six and four in favor of Kyle but if you look a little bit more recently Kyle in the last six races has a 5-1 lead in that series in recent years so I'm going to go with Kyle Busch in this matchup. I heard somebody on SiriusXM, it was a caller, um, calling in saying that he's so down on Kevin Harvick, he would take anybody, you know, in a head-to-head. And I don't necessarily agree with that because Harvick is finding his way into top tens. And, you know, anything could happen where, in this scenario, Bush could finish just behind him. But at the end of the day, I still feel strong about this pick, Kyle Busch, minus 115. Now, the other non-gambling, non-track-related topic that if you really want to dig deep into the psyche of Kyle Busch, you know, it's been well-documented that they have been, he and his wife have been having some, you know, issues having a second kid. It's something they really want. She wrote a book about it that just came out, and it does look like, at the moment, they may be over that hurdle and pregnant again. I guess we'll see, but That's something that you have to take into consideration, like real life stuff. This guy's going home every day dealing with that. And maybe, you know, this momentum positivity at home is going to translate to better performance on the racetrack. So all in all, you know, good stuff there. Just a little side note as far as digging into what's going through Kyle's mind. I think I really like Kyle in this matchup, minus 115 over Harvick. So let's recap these again. We're going with Byron over Blaney, plus 110, the underdog. Kozlowski over Kyle Larson, minus 115. And Kyle Busch over Kevin Harvick, minus 115. Now, is there anyone out there who wants to go fast? Anybody? I want to go fast. So to end this week's episode, we've got a bit of a treat. We're joined again by Jordan McAbee of FantasyRacingOnline.com. 
You've heard Jordan a couple times earlier this year, and he's back, and we're going to dive into the Daily Fantasy game overall in general, and then talk about some picks and some drivers who make sense for your lineup this weekend if you are a Daily Fantasy player and guys that are not. So let's jump over to that conversation with Jordan. So now we are going to welcome on, welcome back to the podcast, Jordan McAbee of Fantasy Racing Online. Jordan, thanks for coming back, man. Thanks for having me again. You must you must not be too uh, uh, sick of me. <laughs> not, not at all. People love your stuff, man. They they definitely reach out to me each time you've been on, and I think it just opens up a different uh, angle of of throwing money down on the race. So it's great and. We were talking last time you were on, I think it was Phoenix, and we are kind of picking maybe the next targeted race. You had said Richmond was one on your radar uh, for good reason. You had a good outing here. Uh, was it last year or, or one of the years in the past? Yep. So DFS-wise, <clears throat> I've profited the last five Richmond races, I believe. But uh, last year's Richmond race that – Keselowski one was my second biggest DFS day ever between between DFS and bets. I was about 13,000 that, that night. That is, that is wild. So yeah, it was a lot uh, to live up to. It, yeah, exactly. So now's my, now's the time for my dud, I guess. <laughs> well, to, good time to have you on. We're going to take advantage of uh, picking your brain here a little bit. So we're going to, talk about Richmond in just a second, but um, wanted to ask you a couple of questions about just daily fantasy in general. Um, you have been, your, your Twitter activity is phenomenal. If you haven't followed Jordan yet at fan racing online on Twitter, very active. And, and you've got my attention just each week talking about the, the different values of the drivers for FanDuel and, and DraftKings. How are the games different, you know, if somebody was going to be jumping into the DFS world for the first time, what to expect, which one's your favorite for any particular reason, and, and just kind of breaking them down um, to get a better understanding. Because I personally don't dive into that area. I don't really talk about it that much on the podcast. So I'm thinking maybe some people might find that interesting. Yeah. So uh... – there's actually, you know, surprisingly, there's quite a bit of differences between the two, um, which you wouldn't expect, you know, that you think of daily fantasy sports and the two big ones, and you're like, oh, they're probably super similar. Um, with NASCAR, though, FanDuel, you're selecting five drivers. DraftKings, you're selecting six. So there's the first main difference. And then scoring-wise, um, both of them – both of them award points based on finishing position as well as place differential. Um, the difference between the two though is DraftKings puts more of an emphasis on place differential because it scores plus or minus one point per position from <clears throat> starting position to finishing position. Whereas FanDuel um, is a half a point, I believe. Um, and then also DraftKings throws in um, points for fastest laps um so that's a stat that nascar tracks I, i'm not sure um you know how, i'm sure you you look into it um mm -hmm. maybe not as much as you know 
DFS players, but definitely a stat that uh, um, that NASCAR tracks and, and DraftKings awards points on that. Um, so it adds an extra fold into it um, when you're creating a lineup. And then they both um, they both award points based on lap sled. Um, the difference, uh, FanDuel, it's uh, point, 0.1 point per lap led, where DraftKings at 0.25. So you really have to um, take everything into account when it comes to DraftKings, plus you have to nail six drivers. So that makes it more difficult in and of itself is you're dealing with six drivers and there's really not a lot of room for error because one, one bad driver in your lineup can kill you. Um, so between the two, I personally like DraftKings. Um, and the main reason being is because that's just what I started playing when I really got into DFS. And, um, that's just how, like, that's just how my brain is now wired. I'm constantly thinking yeah. about fastest laps and everything. FanDuel, uh, I just started playing last year, like full time, I guess would be the way to put it, um, where I'm playing almost every week. Um, and I find it, I, I think FanDuel is a lot better for the, the new players into DFS or ones that don't really want to think as much. Um, not to, not to make that sound negative, but um, the ones that, you know, they just want to think about their best drivers and throw them in there. You know, FanDuel, it's just putting together the best lineup of finishers. I, I think that's the way I look at it when I create a lineup, whereas DraftKings, it's a lot more strategic. Um, you know, I have friends that, that don't really watch NASCAR and, and I try to coach them through like, creating a, a DraftKings lineup and they're like, none of this is making sense to me. Whereas FanDuel, I can just be like, you know, here's, here's a general player pool, make a lineup um, out of these guys. So both of them have their positives and negatives. Um, yeah. I think uh, my favorite is definitely DraftKings though. It makes sense. Um, when you break it down like that. I mean, I, I never really dipped my toe into the, the FanDuel world, but you know, I might, give it a shot in the near future here just to, you know, see how it is. It seems like it's just like pick your favorite drivers and let it go. DraftKings. I, I, so it seems like they're the fastest lap thing can, can definitely play a factor um, because when you are picking guys down in the bottom part of the total pool, which we'll probably talk about in just a bit when we're talking about guys, but the fastest lap, could burn you or help you if you pick the right guy because i think i saw last week you were talking about on twitter somebody got fresh tires and got out there and they were crushing the fastest lap one of the the lower guys and if you have that guy in your lineup you pick right you're really you know in good shape so it definitely is a, a completely different more intense element in DraftKings, which i would find more fun but right and well uh the phrase pick right there is, is kind of subjective. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the Ryan priest last week, I think he got like 30 or 40 fastest laps. He wasn't the fastest car on the track. He got damaged. He had to pit. And because he had those new tires, he got fastest laps. And yeah. that can be, that can be both nice for someone playing because, you know, Oh, he's, he's my lower own driver. He's getting fastest laps. He's getting me points. But at the same time, it's super frustrating because you can then pick what should be the fastest car and he could have the second fastest lap and, you know, Ryan priest is getting there. We see that. You, you see that a lot at uh, like Atlanta, all the high tire wear, high 
tire wear tracks, you know, you have guys that split the stages and R Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Did that here at Richmond last year. Um, he actually has like the seventh most fastest laps over the last three Richmond races because he does that. He splits the stages and, and grabs those fastest laps, which like I said, can be frustrating or, you know, if you key into that, um, as a DFS player, it, it can be an advantage of some sort, you know, if, if the, if that team decides to do it again. Makes total sense. I actually called Ricky out. Um, I think we even mentioned that as a stat, um, earlier in the podcast. So, um, that's good insight there. So yeah, he has more, he has more fastest laps over the last three Richmond races than Denny Hamlin does. Then a lot of guys, like yeah, a, a lot of big names. It's very, uh, telling or, or surprising, I guess, when you look at yeah. it. So let's get to Richmond then. That's why we're here. Um, talking about, I mean, there's only really the best place to start is if you're crafting your lineup, you got to look at the, the top part of your lineup. If you're picking from some of the big names, the most expensive names, who stands out to you? Let me ask you a more pointed question. You mentioned when we were breaking down the, the DraftKings game, how uh, points differential or the placement from where you start and finish matters more in DraftKings. Brad Kozlowski's the top-rated guy because I think he's starting 20th and they're expecting mm -hmm. him to, to jump up. Does that intrigue you whatsoever, or is he just too expensive? I think it has to somewhat intrigue you just because he, you know, he led almost 200 laps here last year. Um, obviously Penske's really good on flat tracks. And if he, if he makes his way through the field, which he still should be a top five car, even though he's starting 20th, what it's going to come down to in DraftKings specifically with Keselowski is, can he get those dominator points? You know, if he, he, for that salary to pay off, he's going to need to lead laps and he's going to need to get fastest laps. If he can, then it's definitely going to work. If not, he's probably too high priced to be in a great lineup, but he's a very safe pick. Um, you know, if you're, if you're making a lineup just to, if you're not going to be, you know, if you're not first or last, then Keselowski is a great pick. Okay. Um, if you're not picking Brad, who in that like upper group are you targeting as someone who pays off for the value and, and, you know, for their history here? Mm. Well, so the biggest debate uh, for DFS this week and probably betting as well, but more DFS is Martin Truex Jr. and what's going to yep. happen there. So he's the highest priced driver in FanDuel. He's the second highest priced driver in DraftKings, starting on the pole. So anytime with DFS and when you have the place differential um, come into play, with any, you know, fantasy NASCAR game, not just DFS. Pole sitter is risky. Now, how risky is Martin Truex Jr. at Richmond? He's led over 100 laps in like six of the last seven races here, or five of the last six. But, counterpoint, this race is during the day. To looking at the flat tracks this year, Phoenix and Martinsville last weekend, Truex has won both of them. He can certainly win at Richmond. He's won like two of the last three here. But can he dominate for that salary to make sense? Um, that's that's one question that I've been like 
constantly thrown around in my head all week. Um, and I'm just not a hundred percent sure I can make a case either way. Um, but I think that's going to be where the main, where your main, um, where your money is going to be made is on what side of the coin you're on, because he's going to be a very popular pick. His, his track record here screams pick him. Mm-hmm. If he disappoints, like the pole sitter has done every single race this year, you, you yeah. should be on the other side, you know? Yeah. That's the, I, I still can't believe it. How disappointing the, the, the pole sitters have been every single race this year. I was actually, my next question to you was going to be around, like to me, Truex is a perfect pick. You know, I broke down his his history in detail, you know, earlier in the podcast, and he screams, like you said, "Pick me, pick me!" But I wanted to ask you specifically about pole sitters. Like, do, is that a situation where you would most likely, I'll say, always like avoid the pole sitter because of the downside, no matter how good their record is, and no matter how strong the driver is it's like stay away from it or do you do you actually go back and forth each week i so historically i have always been heavy on the pole sitter i really like okay. the pole sitter just okay. because my like how i think a race is going to play out i'm like you know he's going to at least lead up till the competition caution and you know, he's in the best spot. He has the best pit stall. And in this case, it's Truex. He's the best driver at this track. Of course, I'm going to pick him. But, you know, when we get nine, ten races into a season and it hasn't worked out once, <laughs> you start following those trends, especially when uh, I believe the pole sitter this year in DraftKings, at least, is has like the highest average of number of times that are like ownership on a weekly basis, the, the pole sitters typically or averages uh, the highest, I believe. Gotcha. So looking then, I guess I, I might know one answer to this question because we were kind of talking before we started recording, but guys who are in the upper, you know, groups that you might want to lay off there. There's one name that stands out to me, but I'll, I'll lay it out there to you to see if, uh, See what you think here. Ryan Blaney, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> That's who I was thinking of. And I I really like Ryan Blaney. He's won me a lot of money in DFS, but he has never, ever shown any speed here. And I I can't make sense of it. I can't explain it. It's one of those things that he's great at flat tracks. He should have won last week at Martinsville. He was super fast at Phoenix. Phoenix is the most comparable track to Richmond, and he just sucks here. And it's not like, oh, he's had, he had some bad luck. Like, his, you look at his driver ratings, and there's not a single one above, like, 72. Like, he just sucks at this track. But, you know, as soon as we start saying how bad Blaney is, he's going to come away with, like, a top five. <laughs> I, can, I can see it now. <laughs> I know. And it's funny because last week I was kind of singing the same song about Austin Dillon um, being bad at Martinsville recently. And he burned me in a head to head versus Newman. He actually showed up last week. And I'm, even though I'm with you here with Blaney, I, that could always happen. Like these guys could catch fire and, and try to figure it out, but it seems to make sense. I mean, he's going off at 
I think like 9,100 is what I saw his value at on DraftKings, at least. I mean, that's pretty high when you're talking about a guy who has not finished ahead of 17th. Um, so that to me was the, the answer I was thinking of. Is there anybody else out there that you might want to not touch this week? Um, probably, you know, going a little further down, I don't love um, Bubba Wallace. Um, you know, most of these weeks this year, I have, you know, been able to say, to see some upside with Bubba Wallace, his track record here just isn't good at all. He had like one 12th place finish, but I think it was more luck than anything. And everything else has just been garbage. Um, and one guy who I is William Byron never finished better than 12th here. He's kind of similar to Blaney just kind of sucks, but with, and I guess you can say this about Blaney too. Um, but with how Byron's running this year, it's, it's hard to see him not doing well on Sunday. But like I said, I guess you can say that about Blaney, but, uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely Bubba Wallace. It would be my, you know, number two behind Ryan Blaney. It's funny. Cause Wallace Fox bet has him going up against Tyler Reddick this week. And I found that I didn't break that matchup down earlier, um, but it was on my radar and I was probably going to think on it. Just because last year the rookies only got one race. Reddick finished 11th, I believe. Pretty solid, but tough to really, you know, throw a bunch of money on him. Um, what do you think about that, you know, Bubba Wallace Reddick matchup? Would you fade Wallace there as well or just in Baylor? I probably would. The only thing you have to worry about with Reddick is just how un, uh, how up and down he is, you know, finish wise. I think he has like four or five finishes this year, you know, outside of the top 20 and then like three top 10. So he's boomer bust. Yeah. Uh, like you said, he 11th here last year, if everything goes right, I, he could have top 10 potential. I think he's starting like 13th. Um, you know, if I had to make a choice in that matchup, I would, I would go Reddick for sure. Um, but you know, you know, I'd probably it. stay away from it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd stay yeah. away from it. I probably wouldn't bet it. Like, it'd be one of those if if I'm making picks, you know, I'd say Reddick, but I'm not going to bet it. Yeah, that's why I really avoided uh, breaking it down earlier. It was just like, ah, I can't, I can't pull the trigger on it. So we're going to fade Blaney, fade Bubba and Daly. Um, now, you know, Bubba Wallace is kind of the segue into the the mud, I guess, the lower groups of drivers in the, the value and the totem pole. Um, is there anybody in his level that like 8,000 to, you know, 7,500 or 6,000 range that stands out to you as, you know, almost like a, a must have. Right. Um, there's a couple actually, I actually really, so this that range on DraftKings, I typically stay away from most weeks just because um, it's hard to put together, you know, like the standard DraftKings roster. Like my standard DraftKings roster build typically doesn't involve those guys in that range. Um, it's more, you know, above 8,000 and then below 7,000. It's just it's just how my standard lineup ends up most weeks. But there I actually really like a few guys in that um in that price range. Um, Reddick, of course, we just talked about him. He's 
7,200 compared to above a 7,300. But, and this one's going to surprise you, Austin Dillon. <laughs> yeah, you, you, that's off brand. We said it last two times. I have shit on him every single time <laughs> that I have been on your podcast. But I'll tell you what, he's finished sixth or better here at Richmond the last three of the last four. Last year's race, he probably had the car to beat. I'm not going to lie. He had the most fastest laps in that race. Um, I think he had a speeding penalty. He led 55 laps. And then cherry on top, you know, like the final, um, I guess, uh, reassurance in my mind is last week at Martinsville, another flat track. And he had a legitimate top 10, top five car. Um, I definitely could see Austin Dillon once again, you know, getting top six, which is just crazy to think of. Um, and then the other guy in that range, a little bit higher is Christopher Bell. I love Christopher Bell this week. Starting eighth, I think he has top five upside. Um, absolutely dominated here in the Xfinity series, which obviously it doesn't translate, you know, super crazy, but he's in that 20 car now. He's shown great speed all season and obviously loves this track. And I, I just really like Christopher Bell this week um, in that price range. Happy to hear you say that. Obviously, we're talking for the, the Daily Fantasy you know, context here, but I, I was discussing both of those guys for top 10 finishes. Uh, I think their values there are good um, for the, the sports betting angle as well. So I love hearing you say it. Makes me uh, yeah. makes me feel a little bit more comfortable I, about it. I actually I bet Austin Dillon top ten this week. Oh no! Is that, the, put that I can't. I already the Jordan Jinx has to be a winner, right? Like <laughs> you can't be jinxing my top tens. Exactly. The only jinx is is when I bet on the winner. So I guess maybe Kyle Larson's my jinx this week because that's the only <laughs> that's the only winner bet I have in. I hope not, but so I'm gonna throw three names at you um to kind of cap off the the roster conversation here at the lower end of the the rosters um one was if you're in a spot where you've got like sixty five hundred dollars left i was just looking at the the lineups and i just wanted to get your take on the the conversation between somebody like chase briscoe and daniel suarez because I feel like these two guys are just so different in so many different ways. Like, you know, you've got this upstart team Suarez outperforming his equipment. You know, how long can that last? Is he worth still taking shots on in a daily fantasy context? And then you got Briscoe who Stuart Haas has to figure it out eventually. I know he's a rookie, but um, the better equipment, better team, like, where would you land if you were in a spot, you put together a lineup and you're like, oh boy, I, I got to choose between really one of these two guys to make it work. What, what's your thought process there? Be between those two, honestly, I'd go Suarez. Um, the reason being, so obviously Suarez is outperforming his equipment this year. We see it almost every week. The reason I like him even more is because he was good here at Richmond in good equipment. You know, he had like three top tens here when he was with Gibbs and Haas, uh, which is really good for him. I don't think he didn't finish worse than I think like 17th or 18th, like through like six or seven races. Um, Briscoe, my main concern with Briscoe uh, 
is one, Stuart Haas, you know, yes, they're struggling right now. And my rule of thumb has always been, and I've learned this, I think I've mentioned this before. I've learned this, you know, over my years in fancy NASCAR is we're not going to see a shift in speed with these organizations until about a month or two from now. We know where we're at. It's, it, it happens every year. We see the shift around race 12 to race 14. That's when we see that shift where t- some teams make gains, some teams lose a little bit. Um, so I don't see Stuart Haas changing much this week. And my main, my big concern with Briscoe, and he admitted it, I think, in uh, – I saw one of his tweets this week um, – it might've been a video, but he basically said, you know, he spends the first three fourths of these races learning and then gets it at the end. That works at an intermediate track where you're only going one lap down track like Richmond, you're going two, three laps down. If, if it stays green, like we expect it to. And, and you can't then, you know, move up and, and get those top twenties, you know, by getting the free pass late, it's just not going to happen with him. So definitely think Suarez has, a lot better upside than Briscoe this week. Um, and in that price range, I honestly, if I'm, if I'm making a lineup and I don't go and I don't want to go Suarez, I jump down and grab Stenhouse. Okay. I mean, that's, that's why we have you on. I mean, that's a fantastic breakdown of, of just two random guys. That was great. Um, real quick before this was, you kind of made me think of this as you're talking about Briscoe and Stuart Haas. I don't know how much you, you know, listen to the radio or, or whatever, but there's a lot of rumors that they're kind of like looking ahead to next year because of how bad they've been. Maybe they're like not putting their all in this year and they're just really focusing on the new vehicle next year, trying to get a jump on that. What, you know, from paying attention to NASCAR for so long, do you put any, you know, stock in that? Do you think that that could possibly be true or do you just think they missed it out the gate and they will correct after the all-star break basically? Uh, I mean, that's a great soundbite and media outlets will run with it. I don't believe yeah. it. Yeah. Um, that's how I feel too. And I think that, I think it's more of an excuse. Uh, I, Rodney Childers, Harvick's crew chief have already said that, um, you know, NASCAR made some rule changes with the wheels and stuff. And that really set them back. So in my mind, I think they had something figured out like last year and the year before, that maybe probably wasn't legal and NASCAR <laughs> hit them with it, you know, and, and now they have to figure out where to get that speed again. Um, and, you know, it, it might be, you know, race 12 and it, it might be the full year for Stuart Haas, you know, we're not really seeing any sort of speed out of Harvick, you know, you just look at his fastest laps this year and I think his highest is 10, maybe, you know, in a race, you know, just not, yeah even close. Um, so yeah, plus he's getting older. He's what? 45 mid forties. Yeah. I'm not even, I'm not even sure if it's a, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's coming off that great year last year, but, uh, you know, all it takes is one. We see it, we see it in the NFL all the time with quarterbacks, you know, great one year and too old the next. Yeah. Uh, he is, he's 45. I, That's, I just needed to bounce that off you because I was getting frustrated listening to that. And, you know, I'm thinking that exact reason. 
the age for Harvick. Like he's going to be retiring soon. He doesn't have enough time to mess around and, and worry about next year. They got to get it done now, you know, but anyway, a little off track, but it just uh, crossed my mind. Last roster question for you. This is really digging deep. Um, <laughs> last week, I think we saw James Davidson post a really good finish for him. 22nd. He is like hard, like, $4,800 or something like that on DraftKings because of what you saw last week. Do you just load heavy up top and then throw Davidson in just because of what you saw last week? Or is that just like blasphemy? No, not at <laughs> Richmond. It, it, you can, you can do it at Martinsville. So the reason being uh, is Martinsville 500 laps and could easily be a three dominator race. With DraftKings and so many points with fastest laps and laps led, you could, and this was my strategy last week with most of my lineups, was put three dominators on there. And that's when you come down to where you have to get one of those garbage guys. Um, not to mention, like, um, one, Rex at Martinsville. We're not going to see many Rex here at Richmond. So that helps those back markers, um, as well as, you know, their talent. Play, plays a lot more into the race and, and how well they do than at Martinsville than it does at Richmond. Um, we simply just do not see – I would be incredibly surprised if, if uh, one of those back markers, um, you know, ended up in a, in a great lineup this week, um, especially Davison because he starts so far up. Like you're basically guaranteeing that you're going to lose points by, by selecting Davison because he's not going to finish – you know, 28th. Fantastic point of view. Um, you're talking me off the ledge because I'm somebody when I get in there and I'm messing around, I'm just like, I want this guy, this guy, this guy. And now I'm left with the, like you said, the back markers. Um, so makes a lot of sense. Um, we will end it, I guess, with what I keep calling the guest pick. Um, trying to ask anybody that comes on a, a random head to head. I did not tell you who this was going to be beforehand just want to get your gut feeling head-to-head matchup if you had to place a bet i'm not going to give you some of the the randoms i'm giving you two big names logano versus elliot they're going off even money right now who do you like Ooh. if you had to choose between those two? Oh man that's tough uh give me logano okay i'll, I'll take any logano. particular reason yeah. you just think yeah, I... his history is better than chase's so that's one, but what's your uh, gut tell you here? I don't think the speed is in Chase's car right now. Like he's getting, he's getting decent finishes. We haven't seen him, you know, show that Chase Elliott speed. You know, since Daytona, he only has two top fives. That's not Chase Elliott. Uh, whereas Logano, you know, uh, dominated Phoenix the first part of it. Um, he got the Jordan Jinx last week at Martinsville. He only led six <laughs> laps. Um, sorry, sorry to everybody in DFS that played DFS and played Logano last week. But I warned you, if you followed me on Twitter, I said I'm jinxing him and I'm not picking him at all. In I didn't pick him at all in FanDuel and uh, in my 150 lineups that I put up in DraftKings in the in the smaller dollar contest, but had zero Joey Logano because that's how much I believe in my jinx. Um, I think I think Logano. It's probably like it's super close though. Logano, I think I think Logano finishes fourth and Chase finishes fifth. 
Yeah. So it's a good way to put it. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll lock in for Logano there and the guest pick. Um, well, Jordan, really appreciate you coming on at Fan Racing Online on Twitter. And you started a YouTube channel, correct? I did. How's that going? Having fun with that. I, I, I like it. It's uh, I'm I'm thoroughly surprised that so many people listen and watch me basically bitch about Denny Hamlin every week. <laughs> like, it's it's crazy to me. Like this whole this whole everything I've done with Fantasy NASCAR and and all the people that have ever visited my website and has you know has followed my advice is just insane to me you know um so it's always wild to to see stuff like that so is it the same um same name on youtube as well fan racing online or fantasy racing online where can we find you there i that's a very good question it might be under my actual name okay Uh, i believe it's under my actual name yeah i'm sure if you type in fantasy racing online though it'll come up cool sounds good well your uh your content is phenomenal so i definitely recommend anybody out there give jordan a follow um jordan really appreciate you having or coming on great to have you and hopefully we can connect later this year absolutely just let me know when always cool to chat with you we're gonna be here all day baby i like this kind of party well obviously thank you again to jordan maccabee you can give his website a look, fantasyracingonline.com. And like we said, find him on Twitter at fanracingonline. It's always great to talk with someone who knows so much about the sport and the way to throw your money down on it. So definitely give him a look. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thanks again to Jordan Maccabee for joining us. Still on Baby Watch, but hopefully we'll be here next week to talk about the big one. That's Talladega coming up around the corner, so go out, place your bets, and let's hit it big at Richmond so we can place the big-time bets next week for Dega. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we will see you next time. to go have no place to go darling have no place to go have no place to go Good.